match that energy element. yeah you shouldn't if, it felt unnatural if i'm being very honest with you kind of scared me a little bit like yeah <laughs> like exercising and i'm like oh this doesn't this mm. doesn't coincide with the rest of how i live i don't feel like this is it's like i'm not a big dude i'm pretty skinny but like Whenever I do jumping jacks, I can, like, feel my titty bounce. <laughs> and it's like, man, I could keep doing these and do something about that or just ignore the problem. Well, when you're not jumping, you don't notice, so. No, I I realized, I think it was, uh, I was, like, 28, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going over some train tracks, and I had my arm in a car window. Oh, Jesus. We hit some train tracks, and that was the first time that I felt my titty jiggle. I was like, oh, no. First time I'd just come off of... I'd gotten up to about 300 pounds, which is giant for me, about 125 pounds over my walking around weight. Didn't notice it because it happened incrementally over a year because I was climbing turbines and just eating shit food all the time and, Mm -hmm. you know, drinking like a fish. And I was coming down tower one time and um, we have a climb assist, which is a rope that goes down the thing. And all of a sudden it jammed. Boom. I felt my entire front come up about four inches and then boom, and it actually hurt me. I'm like, fuck that was the day i decided that i did not want to do that anymore yeah i uh i will sometimes get at like gas stations somebody will look at my id and go oh you lost a lot of weight like oh no i just quit drinking because i got the like the turkey neck (laughs) real bad because i was all bloated and fucking just gross and sweaty Mm -hmm. if i ever want a reminder why i shouldn't drink i'll just look at my uh license picture (laughs) just a big fat moon face just like eyes just kind of staring into nowhere. Yep, just blank as hell. That fucking hangover pasty. Mm-mm-mm. Beautiful, beautiful. But, I mean, I, I I feel like I'm doing okay for 37. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm doing all right. Like, everything's still in its place. I've got all of my teeth still. Shut up. Regardless of what sort of state they're in, they're all still there. <laughs> like, I, I'm convinced that they're just like, everything's so fucked up that they're just jamming each other all together mm-hmm. so that like you have to pull one out but then the it's just everything's gonna fall out immediately see i got a i i'm going to the dentist in about two weeks and i guarantee i got about a good used car worth of work in my mouth to <laughs> so do i feel like i got a real game of jenga going on in my face <laughs> like if Dude. i pull the wrong thing everything's just gonna come crashing down I will have to say the only thing I can say about my shape for my age, for as old as I am, all I have to do is get a grind job and just go and get dirty for about three weeks and just wash dishes or something, and I'm back down to skinny again. Mm-hmm. Well, mainly because like I stop eating. <laughs> oh yeah, fucking I I can't I cannot eat where I work. Like I've worked in restaurants too long. Either I can eat before work or I can eat after work because after about two hours. Of smelling grease and just being around food, I don't want to eat anything, and nope. not even just the food from there. Which just, I mean, it, that is a big part of it. But like, uh-huh. I'll I would when I worked in kitchens, like primarily, I would wait two three hours after and just eat like chips and salsa, something cold, fucking frozen pizza every goddamn night. Ten minutes in the goddamn oh, oven. Oh, that's the drunkard special. Mm-hmm. Jack's frozen pizza. You know, I ate it religiously. Three to five times a week for 30 years. Because, you know, 
I'm fucking weird. And then one day I took a bite of it and I'm like, I cannot eat this anymore. I've not touched, I haven't touched a Jack's pizza in three years. Yep, when you realize that you're just like an old bloated drunk. <laughs> no, it just it tasted bad to me. One day I just took a bite and I'm like, oh, this is nasty. I even tried doctoring it up. I threw some garlic salt on there. I threw pep. I, everything I could think of fucking couldn't eat it. And, and you realize that you were an old bloated drunk. Well, that's true too, yeah. Come on, I was trying to slide right past it. And speaking of old bloated drunks, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. Yeehaw! Woo! <laughs> anyway, I think we let's just simmer I, it. Let's simmer down. I yeah, feel we're, bad we're, for we're, spiking, we're spiking on the audio here. And anybody let's... who had headphones on just there is fucking hating me right now. Well, I mean, probably mm-hmm. for other reasons than just that. But, well, yeah, there's that. Uh, so, James, yes, we are on week three of our four. <coughs> week run of 70s horror oh hells yeah and this week <laughs> oh boy it's a real treat james <laughs> we're talking about 1978's the manitou <laughs> written by john cedar and william girdler directed by william girdler girdler starring screen legend Tony Curtis. Tony motherfucking Curtis. Uh, screen legend Susan Strasberg. Mm-hmm. And Michael Ans- and Sarah. That's right. As John Singing Rock. I'm sorry. Uh, Tony Curtis as Harry Erskine and Susan Strasberg as Karen Tandy. Mm-hmm. Also, John Cedar, the writer, played the doctor. Oh, yeah. Your main doctor. And uh, Burgess Meredith. Burgess motherfucking screen Meredith. legend. Gorgeous Meredith. Rest in peace. Mm. We all remember the unfortunate incident where he died of a heart attack after being shouted at by a black man. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Horrible day. Unfortunate. Mm -hmm. For for anyone who didn't get that, that is a Rocky III reference. That wasn't even a reach. It was was right there. Rocky III, I don't know. I still say Rocky IV is the best just because it's... Out of its fucking mind. Okay, yeah. But Rocky Three is, I think, a very underrated gem. Ah, if it comes on, I will not turn it off. Hulk Hogan's there. Hell yeah, Thunderlips. Thunderlips. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, James. Yes? Hey, what'd you think of the Manitou? <laughs> fucking had a ball watching this movie. <laughs> Arch Mart, it was fucking fun. Yeah. We, we've done movies that I've laughed at, I had a good time. But I didn't, just the sheer joy of watching this movie, because it, it was a TV movie. It was a hundred other things, and we'll get into all the reasons why I was fucking dying. Uh-huh. But it was just sheer fun. It, it was a fun horror movie. And it's amazing, because it's one of those films that, like, it's absolutely batshit. Mm-hmm. And you could say the same thing about, like, a Sharknado but at no point do I feel like this is like winking at the camera. Like everybody seems like they're genuinely trying to make like a, a piece of art almost. But it's so out of its fucking mind. Well, it's like true camp because if you're campy for the choice of being campy like Sharknado, it is what it is. And they're telling you what it is, right? But this became campy because everybody was playing it 
as straight as they could with the words that they had to say. Yes. Okay? Because <laughs> this is some clunky-ass dialogue. It, it seems like a movie that they really, like, okay. It, it feels like a real Coke movie. Oh, yeah. Because I know I read that they wrote the screenplay in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And it feels a whole lot like we're going to do this because the beginning of this film, it's nuts, but mm. not as crazy as it gets. And, <sighs> and not the dialogue in the beginning is not nearly as bad as it is at the end or confusing mm-hmm. or contradictory within the same scene. It seems like they really petered out toward the end. It was just like, ah, well, and, and. If you think about who they had in it, like Tony, Cur- no, Tony Curtis, there's a lot of people there from like the, from about seven, 68 when Chavez was doing all that stuff all the way up till about a 78 or 80, like a whole bunch of like big names in Hollywood. Uh, I can't even think of his name. Marlon Brando. Uh, well, Tony Curtis, a bunch of them were very, very big into Native American rights and workers rights for uh, um, Mexican migrant workers. And so they tried to throw that message in as many things as humanly possible. So I'm pretty sure there was a lot of that going on, too. So just as a very easy contrast, because there's a whole list of movies that also came out in 1978. Mm -hmm. But just as a contrast, it's one of the major films that I think everybody's probably seen. Halloween came out this same year. Didn't Alien come out that year, too? Uh, I think Alien was 79. Oh, okay. I thought Either it was 78. Way, yeah. gener- I believe it was 79. Again, I could be wrong. But, it was in that wheelhouse, though. But here's where I kind of wanted to start. Uh, and Also, uh, rest in peace, William Girdler. He died immediately after making this. I believe it was in like a car accident. Right. Like, it it so, was like still in production when he died. Yeah, like it was, I think I believe that it was released posthumously yes. after he had passed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... That's kind of a bummer, but I, I wanted to bring up the Halloween comparison because at any point, James, I, I bring it up mainly because not only has everybody seen this, but it's also not the same year that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Curtis's daughter, obviously got. Oh, her that's start. right, that's right. So there's a fun comparison in in this for two different reasons. Because I was thinking about that too. Did he make that movie to help promote, or was he jealous? That it was Jamie released Lee. in the same year, right? But like. Oh shit! She's got a movie. Should I do a movie? Maybe I can cross promote, or is she like, okay. oh, fuck? Uh, all that aside, before I lose uh. the point that I'm getting to, filmically, when you look at those two films side by side, this movie looks like it was made in 1959. It actually, what it looks like was made on the same TV sets that they um, filmed everything else. Exactly because. I lived for television because that's all I had when I was a kid during that time. We talking. Remember when I was talking about Lalo motherfucking Schifrin? Mm-hmm. Incidental music for half the half anything you've ever watched. If somebody walked across the screen on TV, it was either Schifrin or two other names, plus movies like the soundtrack of that. Everything looked like a Chips episode or a Love Boat episode or any of those. I mean, down to the sets. Yeah, the like. I don't want to say like overcrowded sets, but it almost like a lot of it kind of reminded me of almost like white zombie when you see these elaborate sets, Mm -hmm. because almost every single set in this is just extreme. Oh yeah. Like, uh, 
the hospital room. There's way more stuff than would be in there. Well, that uh, fucking computer, dude. Yeah, the doctor's office. Yeah, like it's just with the mainframe in the office. That shit didn't happen. <laughs> and yeah, we'll get to some shit about that too. Because oh my. Oh, we but, have to talk about some manitous too. And uh, like just the way everything's shot and the like the color palettes. It's mm-hmm. very like flat brown and that kind of like burnt orangey look. It it looks a lot older than it is when you look at films that were made like it's contemporary. Right. This is clearly a director who uh, was taking very much cues from the past. And well, take a of, look at um, post, um if you take a look at the way they shot, the way they move things. Poseidon Adventure, down to some of the sets moving, um, earthquake, um, all the disaster movies prior to that. They were filmed almost in that that um, same television-like style. It reminded me a lot, and obviously this isn't a, a one-to-one, but just the way that it was filmed, it looked a lot like old westerns. The way that people would move. Yes, yes. The the actual staging, like the moving exactly, of Exactly, that's what I mean. It's okay, like yeah, the yeah, filmmaking, yeah. it looks old. Like, hardly any of it ever looks natural. Mm-hmm. It looks very much like a film that was made long before 1978. Right, it doesn't have a cinematic quality that I'm used to. Exactly. It doesn't have a movie feel. It looks like an extended like it, it looks like an extended uh, Doctor Who episode or it looks like uh, god there was a, the adventure people or something, you know, it, just weird underground things with wow, now it's a swamp. Hey, now it's cold. Now it's on fire. Mhm. The exact same quality. The and lighting down to every... It's like Star Trek lighting. The dialogue delivery. Everything Jesus about Christ. it feels a lot older than 1978. Mm-hmm. Which, just knowing that it was made in that time, makes this movie so much wilder, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because it's not filmed in any sort of like modern way for the time. Yep. It's all this just basic like one-shot cut overacting elaborate sets like when they uh when uh tony curtis exits the elevator when he comes back down in the hospital mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be the frozen wasteland oh the god floor. Like, yeah, that's what i was talking about like the adventure people because they had the weird shit on the walls yeah it looks old it looks a lot older than 1978 mm-hmm. and, which just makes it reminds me a little bit of logan's run like when the shit yes. was on the wall, it was very yes. Logan's run. I was waiting for the carousel, dude. <laughs> that is almost perfect. Yes, it does look a lot like Logan's run. Wow. Because I just watched that the other day because I found the DVD. I'm like, fuck, I haven't. You, I know you did a podcast about this. I'm like, fuck. Long time ago, yeah. Right. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. And I threw it in there. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Logan's runs the tits. Dude, it was a it was a great hour and a half or however long that was. I was just kind of folding laundry, just, oh, carousel, carousel. So uh, now that we've gotten kind of uh, some of our points and what have you, should we go through what this movie is <laughs> about? <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> have at it, homie. So uh, Tony Curtis. <laughs> no, 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 wait. We have to say it like everybody else 200 times in the movie. Harry Erskine. Harry Erskine. You can't say his first name or just his last name. It has to be Harry Erskine. So, Tony Curtis. Harry Erskine. Harry Erskine. (laughs) Plays a San Francisco-based... At least that's... Fraudulent medium. Yeah, fraudulent wizard medium. (laughs) Like an Aleister Crowley light. So... 
that that's the first th- part where okay, because well, we hear that uh, 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 Karen Tandy. I want to say Tandy Newton, but that yeah. is a modern <laughs> actress. I got a question for you because it wasn't made clear because I had to watch this real quick. Was that his ex? Yes. Okay. I want to make sure because I didn't know if it for the longest time because I must have missed something. I didn't know if it was his wife, his sister, what what that was. But thank you. Yes. So uh, the opening scene is we find out that she has something growing on the back of her neck, mm-hmm. which uh, they make very clear that it's sort of like a fetus. What with the big fetus chart on the wall and all for mm-hmm. no good reason. <laughs> But uh, Harry Erskine is a San Francisco fraudulent medium tarot card reader. I fucking love it. Who immediately gets rid of his client and uh, begins day drinking while listening to funk. Hell yeah. And that is... Okay. So seeing screen legend, some like it hots, Tony Curtis... With his man boobs on parade. In a wizard's robe... Reading tarot cards to a woman with a glorious mustache. Mm-hmm. God, that was great. That's how you're going to introduce this screen legend? Fucking, I am in. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it started like arsenic and old lace. It started like a couple, you know, you're talking about the 50s influence or like the late 50s, early 60s. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, that, that was very evident, and especially in the, it was like a comedic style. I mean, beat for beat, and that the the timing on that was great. The comic timing, because mm-hmm. you you would tell there there you had the old school actors up there working with the words. Okay, these are the words we got. How good can we make these? You could see some craft on screen. Exactly, and one of my favorite parts of that entire scene is uh, when Harry Erskine pulls off his fake mustache and sticks it to the wall. He gives it a confused like childish look and just goes <laughs> like he was surprised that it had stuck. Like, oh, wow. he doesn't do that every single day. I love it. <laughs> he immediately begins day drinking and gets a call from uh, Karen, his ex, who tells him that they have to have, sur- or she has to have surgery on this thing on her neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, through a long set of circumstances, they learn that it's uh, a 400-year-old Native American manitou. Mm-hmm. who's growing inside of her back. Mm-hmm. So uh, they need to bring in a South Dakota... Uh, Medicine man. Yes. Uh, I, I I, will say it only one time. They say Indian a lot. <laughs> yep, different times. Because, oh, man. Different times. Also, uh, yeah, Michael Anser... Or Anser... And Sarah. Michael and Sarah, sorry, I was that, choking on that my That sounds home amazingly Sicilian there. No, he is a Lebanese and Syrian. Okay, I, it, I knew he wasn't. And native. apparently he felt really bad about taking this, but he needed the work when he found out that he had beaten out a full-blooded native person for the part. Oh, God, yeah. He felt really bad, but he was also very hungry. Well, it's like that, um, the one, you know that from the commercial when people are polluting and the, the Jay Silver, uh, uh-huh. that guy? Uh, Iron Eye Cody or whatever. He was Sicilian. Yep. That was hilarious. Uh, we were so sensitive back in the day. Yeah. People make fun of, oh, you're a snowflake this. It's nice to be sensitive to people once in a while. You fucking give a shit about a human being for Christ's sake. Yeah. M- maybe not just be awful for, yeah. f- 
for for literally no reason. Just just be nice to be nice. Fuck it. Try it out. It, it might change you a little bit. And, and also, it really isn't that hard. Ooh. It's not difficult Mm-mm. whatsoever to, you know, just not be a cunt all the time. It. So, uh, they confront, uh, the 400 year old medicine man, Manitou, <laughs> that's growing in her back. They find out it's, uh, Misquamacus. <laughs> and, and, uh, he is on his fourth cycle or so yeah. of being. And once you reach five, you become a Manitou. Yeah, or something. Or something. Because everything's got Manitou on me. But also, uh, he's conjured the old one, the old great one. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, Thulu? Who's now going to destroy humanity. So the stakes have been uh, raised up it. quite a bit. Yeah, it's like, oh, this sucks, this sucks, she might die. Holy fuck, the world will end. All and right. We've awakened a great old one. Wonderful. So, long story short, just to get the synopsis done so we can get into the meat of this. Shit. We got uh, stuff. Tony Curtis uses his white man medicine, <laughs> his, which is machines, hospital machines, yes. to defeat cosmic uh, evil. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who somehow is invested in this. Yeah, I, I never, why would a great old one give a flying fuck about little Karen there? So now, James, yeah. let's get into it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> let's, let's really crack this coconut oh. open. Because Jesus Christ, if that all sounded insane, go watch this fucking thing. Okay, let's talk about the phrase. Was it Wana... Oh, fucking Wana Wichi Patu? Oh, Wichi... Something yeah, I don't remember. It's like some. Cares. It sounds like something. Okay, if you, if you it sounds like they said insert line and somebody made it up on set. Right. It's it's like going witchy, to summer camp. Witchy pana salatu. Yeah. Sal- oh yeah. Witchy pana salatu. Or no, <laughs> pana witchy salatu. Pana witchy salatu. No, but it sounds like you went to like upstate New York summer camp and you 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 were the pana witchy salatus. Yeah. <laughs> and you're. Go to I want Mount Awanahakalugi. I mean, that's exactly the amount of thought it sounded like they put into that. It, I, I guarantee we just put more thought into it than they did, James. <laughs> Either that, or it's an actual um, native phrase that means something, and we're being insensitive and, as and fuck. We're real shit bag. Yeah, but it undeniably sounds like some white made up bullshit. And considering the people that we heard say it, it sounds even more like bullshit. Because he's supposed to be from San Francisco, right? Eh, Panawana Wichiwatu. <laughs> A couple of years, come over here. I'm like, the fuck? It's Tony Curtis in San... He's not San Franciscan. Not even close. Don't even try, buddy. Don't don't even. You can't even do Midwest. Don't even try. I, I like how we've uh, come upon a common theme in a lot of our podcasts is that you get angry at accents. I do. Or, or people not... Uh, aligning with regional dialects. Yeah, for fuck's sake. I, it's one of the few things I have an ear for. <laughs> if they fuck with me, it fucks with me. This comes up more frequently than I think anything else in your critiques of films. Is they didn't get the fucking accents right. <laughs> Goddamn, Tony Curtis isn't from San Francisco. Well, all right, to, all right, to be fair to the film, he may not be from San Francisco. Okay, I'll grant that. Because in, in a wild set of circumstances, uh, the woman that he goes to meet, whose uh, pirate husband owns oh, the yeah. bar. 
Yeah, God. She is conservatively, because I think I look it up, Tony Curtis is like 52 in this movie or He's so. He's a baby. But uh, she's conservatively like maybe 30. Mm-hmm. Which means he became a tarot reading medium shyster later in life. Mm-hmm. So he may not be a native of San Francisco. Fair enough. I, I just love it, though, because like he's thinking, I love the part where he's thinking other people are trying to throw a con. And he's not having, oh, this is some bullshit. Come on, fuck you. There's no Manitou bullshit. How do you know? Don't ask, but fucking, that's some bullshit. (laughs) I love that because, again, that kept me to the movie because just being funny or just being novel to me is not just going to keep my interest. There was enough in this movie to keep me because if you want to see some acting, and I'll tell you what, they fucking went for it. They really went for it. Um. So that's what I think is great about hiring veteran actors. Like, if you, if washed up, not washed up. If you can get somebody who's actually acted, it just raises the elevation of everybody around them. And you can tell, especially when you see the two old people in the scene or the two older people in the scene that are just torn, you know, tried to boards for about a million years and watch them just play. And it's absolutely fucking bananas, too, because, like, when you see movies that are this crazy, like, Sometimes you see a regular cast of characters, like people that show up and shit like that. Yeah. Like, you see Lance Henriksen in the movie, and you're like, mm, this might be off the walls fucking bananas. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain actors, but Tony Curtis is does not give off that vibe. To, so to see him trying to act in this and delivering the line, these lines oh, in, in this context, it's... It, Almost like a dichotomy mm-hmm. because you're watching this veteran trained actor just do one of the most insane movies that you've ever seen in your life. And that's, again, what makes it so gripping as a film to me mm-hmm. that almost, almost none of it did I find boring. I think there's about a 15, 20 minute stretch where he they're finding out that it's the medicine man that yeah. I think it kind of lags a little bit. Like, especially the Burgess Meredith part. Like, yeah. I don't think, like, narratively you needed that. No, but I'd I... would love to have him there. No, here's the thing. I think they figured out, fuck. Hey, can we get Burgess? Yeah, fucking get him in here. We get... I got a scene for him. Burgess Meredith doing his best Colonel Sanders. Oh, my God. He looks incredible. He, fucking the man rocked a beard, homie. Uh-huh. I was like, dude. You 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 spruce up nice. He he was uh doing a Colonel Sanders. Did you notice he was also like doing the Wizard of Oz? Mm-hmm. The the mannerisms. Yeah. The yeah. W- the way that he was speaking as well completely matched the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, especially when he's like, "Oh, the book's right over here." You fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, that made it even better. Uh huh. See, this is why I love talking about movies. After like, I watch a movie at home and eh, whatever. But when I talk to you about movies, I always discover something new. And that is the coolest fucking thing. Yeah. It, like, I was watching it with Kayla. I was just like, he's doing, he looks like Colonel Sanders and he's doing the Wizard of Oz. Like, this is insane. But the thing is, he's doing it well. Yeah. It, he's doing it pretty much as perfect as you can deliver it. Because and he's still, kind of the and old, still making it his own. Yeah. Because he's playing like the very smart professor type who's also kind of a doddering old man. Right. And it's fucking perfect, James. And I, I love the fact that, like, when they were first asking him about it, he's like, oh, no, I'm an anthropologist. I couldn't possibly. 
but I might have a book. Yeah, yeah you, I, I, I'm not who you want, and I, I talked to your doctor, and he thinks you're full of baloney, so I'm not getting invested in this case whatsoever. Mm-hmm. God, I loved it. The, the scared academic doesn't want to fuck up his tenure. I mean, they played it note for note perfect. You could tell Burgess thought about it for a minute. Either that or he's so good he didn't have to and he could inhabit it immediately, but it, it, it showed up on screen. You know, there, there's a lot of things you can do to make things happen, but, you know, to have somebody bring that gift to you, you know? And there's other little shit that, like, really kind of, again, as far as we're talking about just entertainment value that just catches you out of nowhere. When he's uh, reading Mrs. Hers. The, yes, yes. The uh, very old rich woman. When he's, it's the like, one in black, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. When he's uh, basically like asking her, how do you want your tarot read? Because he's completely just grifting this old woman out of mm-hmm. money. Do you want it uh, <coughs> about this? No. How about this card for this? How about this card for this? Okay, that's what we'll do. Yep. And he's just giving, she's not even sitting looking at the cards with him at the table. She's sitting across the room and just like agreeing or disagreeing with mm-hmm. what he has to say to her. However, it, it it's kind of a stupid scene until the end when she floats down the hallway because she's possessed <laughs> by this demon. Now, none of that really was, you know earth shattering what really got me is the way that she threw herself down the stairs at the end oh my fucking god because it wasn't just through the stairs it was through every single slat of the hand railing going down the stairs every balustrade just and i don't think i had ever seen that in a film and to see that in the manitou I was like, holy shit that's such a good instinct and you know you can tell that's a holdover from the early 70s stuntmen because they were starting to age out but a lot of them still needed work and they were doing stunts like that stunt not the slats down the stairs but you'd see them the slats down the bar or the you know they're similar shots they don't do anymore because they're too dangerous to the people doing them that was the last hurrah of fucking up stuntmen so you know that 78 79 they started getting real tight with the unions out there they're like fuck you fuck you fuck you uh-huh. So that was like a last rod, and that, that stunt just, oh, that was beautiful. Or uh, when we actually get to see uh, Misquamacus. Oh, fuck me running. Dude, <laughs> you put that in a film now, and I would still say, you have my attention. Because, dude, I don't care. It looks kind of corny, but it looks cool. It does. Because it, it looks real. It's not CGI'd. No, it's, no, okay. It's, it's, it's a practical. Costume. <laughs> it's costume. Yeah. Mm, maybe it was, I don't know, we watched the same cut. I'm pretty sure we did. We both watched it on Shredder, right? Yes. I don't know. It looked like, it looked like hard plastic just wrapped around a little person. I I still think it was just like a buff little person. Oh, it they, was, yeah. That they put red paint on because I'm thinking that it was supposed to signify... Uh, the uh, Misquamacus without skin. Mm-hmm. But obviously they didn't have CGI, so they just had to do it. And or and they I were guess, inferring that it was still growing. Yes, because, because it didn't appear to have legs. Right, and that's where the, uh, pra- that's where the um, plastic thing that threw me was on. Yeah, but for, again, these people had to do it. Right. For the Manitou. And I'd, 
They did it. They fucking went for it. And homie. you can obviously, I understand if somebody's like, no, it looks fucking silly. It was silly, but it was effective. But it looked rad, especially when they threw the one contact in the one eye. Oh yeah, that made it look like a demon eye. Like that looks cool. Though the part was effective was when they close when they did close up on the face from let's say mid chest up. We already knew it was a little person. I understand that. It was supposed to be fetal, etc. I get it. But the, it was effective when I saw from the chest up. That face, that, that person's face was just fucking, I, I like the eyes where I'm just like, no, no, that's not good. I don't, no, don't look at me. No. Yeah. So it was, it was both funny and effective at the same time, which is it's a rare treat. And again, it's really easy to do, especially, you know, by 1978, because they had all this shit in place. But when they're trying to do the first surgery on her and the doctor grabs the scalpel and just cuts his hand open. Oh, dude. Because, like, I don't know. For me personally, there's a big difference between, uh, like, a knife or something or a gun shot. When it's medical instruments... For some reason, to me, that's so much more effective in just being a gross-out moment. Well, when we think about it, with most of the knives we use, or the most of the knives that I use because I use shit knives, if I ran it across, it would cut me, right? But he pushed it. with, And if you ever fuck with X-Acto knives, you just barely touch it, and you're bleeding for a week, okay? And we're watching them with that sharp blade with the point. And I don't know how they filmed this effect, but it really looked like he jammed it in there and fucking pulled it across. And I've cut my hand enough times and burnt the back the back of my hand. That'd be the worst place to get a cut because it's just skin. Tiny bit of muscle tissue straight to bone. If he was a doctor and he really cut himself like that, that hand was fucked forever. Mm-hmm. And again, just as far as entertainment value... Uh, do not think for a moment, dear listener, that this movie does not contain a an out-of-control medical robot laser. Oh, hells yeah! That's just shooting wildly around the room. Mm-hmm. That's why I was thinking of Logan's Run, too, with the fucking lasers going and shit. James, it's incredible! They got me on Close Encounters, too, for that one shot when they opened the door into space. Uh-huh. And it was also 2001. I'm like, oh! Both at the same time. Cool. Yeah, sure. What else you got for me? Oh, little Star Wars. Oh, some Doctor Who. Fuck that. What else you got? So, I, I, I'll, I'll let you speak here in a moment. Oh, I'm, I just, fuck. I'm having a good time. I, uh, I wanted to bring up, I think it's my favorite thing about this film. There are two separate scenes where Tony Curtis is just staring directly into a wall. <laughs> yes. He is staring at a wall like a dog that has mange. <laughs> I couldn't figure out that choice, dude. Because there is the one scene where they're trying to do surgery and they have to uh, hold down uh, Karen. Mm-hmm. And Tony Curtis rushes in and the doctors grab her. And he immediately just like does the... It almost looks like a live action play. Uh-huh. Or like a filmed play. Because he just kind of fades into the background. But he's standing face just face against the wall. Oh, that's right. Because staring dead-eyed into the wall. Because he moved out of he moved a little bit from the frames to shoot to pull the focus because uh-huh. it's old-fashioned as fuck. Yep. And uh, there's also the scene where the doctor and uh, John singing rock. It's after uh, Miss Guamacas comes out, and they're standing in the hallway, 
And Tony Curtis's part is done, so he just fades into the background mm. and, again, just stares directly at the wall. Doesn't look over like he's still participating in the conversation. And he's not doing business. There's no shtickle there. He's just standing there. No, yeah. and he doesn't even look contemplative, like rubbing a you know like rubbing his temples or looking concerned he's just standing staring at the wall like a zombie he's sitting there going i wonder 20 minutes to my next rail or 30 minutes hopefully 10 minutes i i go for about two rails right now anybody notice if i take a bump i I rewound it twice because like I was trying to convince Kayla. I was like, look at him. Look at him in the background. That is a screen legend who's just staring at the wall like he's just comatose. You do realize that the minute I get off my shift after I get off of here, the minute I get a break, I'm fucking going back to that movie and I'm looking for those scenes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at work on my break in the break room shit in my pants laughing like showtime at the fucking apollo and everybody's gonna be like what's the matter i'm like he's just staring at the wall he's doing like again he's not even acting or looking contemplative he looks like a kid in timeout yeah <laughs> like he's just literally standing in front of the wall emotionless because you i did one one play and i had to be the guy that carried the chains it was in high school right i gotta be on stage for 20 minutes I got one line. I stand there for 20 minutes holding chains. I bet you it's the same fucking look Tony Curtis had standing there for five minutes I while this thing. I guarantee you 100% that it is. And I'm is. trying not to move because if I move, I'm going to pull focus away from the main, main. But I got ADHD like a motherfucker, and I'm hard, trying hard not to Bob Marley the chains or Jacob Marley the chains. That'd be a whole different song. So... I, like we were saying in the beginning, I wanted to get to some of the uh, dialogue in this oh, because it's absolutely bananas. Oh, there are several times within this film where it, a character uh, contradicts themselves within the same two minutes of dialogue, okay. and it's incredible. I'm, I think it's uh, John Singing Rock does it like four or five times where he will be explaining like... Uh, well, there's nothing you can do. Why Why would you want me to come with you, Harry Erskine? There's mm-hmm. nothing I can do. Harry Erskine. He, he's a, a manitou. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Well, I need your help. All right, well, let's go. <laughs> well, since you put it that way, buddy. <laughs> well, well, all right, I'll need $100,000. All, all right. right. Well, you got yourself a friend. And uh, there's... I also, need a couple... I, I also need a couple pouches of tobacco. Yes. That's all he wants, of course. $100,000 and a couple pouches of tobacco. But the money wasn't for him. It was for the Native Museum Foundation. Yeah. So there's a lot of this that, like... <coughs> Excuse me. It's all right. I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with Star Wars, but a lot of it feels like really bad George Lucas dialogue. Well, and you're just like, what in the actual fuck are you talking about? Well, that's why uh, fucking... God, what's his name? Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know who I'm talking which about. Which one? The original. Uh, uh, I, the famous actor. Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, yeah. He said... I famously said, I can remember the quote, he's like, he was having problems trying to, he's like, it's not the, it's like a human being actually oh, has to say these words. I think it was Harrison Ford, oh, okay. actually, that was like, yeah, you can write this, but you can't say this shit. Right, and that, that's why he said, Alagus said he'd never fucking do it again, because he couldn't fucking, he's like the most ridiculous words to ever come out of my mouth in this order, ever. <laughs> because I laughed so goddamn hard, um, 
And there's just a lot of weird shit that happens regardless. Like, when they need a flashlight, somebody has to take an elevator to another floor to go get a flashlight. Oh, and, okay, they're in a fucking hospital, hospital. okay? They're in a hospital. So they take the guy who's all cut up and beat up to a waiting room yes. to fix them? They're in no, a goddamn in office. They're in a, on a bright white couch. <laughs> in a goddamn hospital. Uh-huh. 100 floors, no Manitou. One room to fix him up in maybe a sanitary condition, perhaps. I don't know. I could be wrong, but fuck. My favorite line of the whole film is uh, uh, Harry runs upstairs to go get the flashlight, and he comes back down, and it's the ice uh, ice realm or whatever. It's mm-hmm. the same floor, yeah. but it's all icy in there. And he comes, and uh, John singing rock is crouched down. He says, "John, what what happened?" He says, "I I tried to stop him, I couldn't stop him. He he beat me." Mm-hmm. And Harry goes, "Who who did?" <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Maybe the four hundred year old medicine man that just popped out of your ex girlfriend's back. You know the reason that we're all here. <laughs> I don't know the janitor, bud. <laughs> it's, it's just the fuck. Like- <laughs> that little piece of dialogue and it's like man they really petered out on writing at the end of this like they didn't give a fuck yeah and no no the coke budget was enough that nobody went dude really everyone's like yeah that's great fucking yeah say that yeah that's cool tony curtis just forgot what they were doing and he was getting him back on track he defeated me who did <sighs> miss Quamakis, tony <laughs> You fucking high on. Oh, man. that <coughs> This movie was fucking batshit. And, uh, yeah. When they, uh, the doctor gets bitten by the uh, phantom lizard. <laughs> they, uh, they take him to that office where they sit him on a bright white couch. Again, in a hospital. And they're talking about how... They think the the machine Manitou can defeat Misquamacus because it worked before because Harry threw a typewriter at, at him. him. Out of all the things, he just fucking whips a Olivetti at him. Bang! He whips a typewriter at him and it explodes, James. Because he had the white man's Manitou. It rules. So I don't know what kind of message they were trying to send, but they were trying to say that the white man saves everything again. Not a clue what they were getting at. But the thing that I found very interesting was when uh, <coughs> he says, well, maybe the machine Manitou. Uh, Tony Curtis is suggesting this to the Native American as to how to defeat, uh, <laughs> you know, the Native American force. Yeah. Tony Curtis knows what he's doing. Well, the white man, you know, the white man's Manitou is going to defeat You've got that. computers and x-rays and everything. Can you turn them all at wa- on at once? The doctor goes, yeah, right on that console over there. <laughs> that gigantic. Now, like, oh, so this this console in this one room can turn on every single piece of machinery in this entire hospital, huh? Have none of you visited hospitals or know how any of this works? <laughs> or do what killed me? What the fuck me, are you doing? <laughs> killed me about that console. Or that console is we used to um, go on enrichments because you know we'd take the poor kids and go see cool shit, right? But we went to go see a mainframe, like a big mainframe. I think it was 76, I think I saw it. And the, it, that, that was an invention. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> they had this, the, the magnet tapes, everything else, a lot of the other rooms were just right. But that thing, 
the fuck was that? Not a clue. It looked Victorian and modern at the same time. The buttons didn't make any goddamn sense. And I don't know why I get caught up on stupid shit like that, but that just fucking thing pissed me off. And then the message, again, the message is that, well, you know, this Native American force that is supposed to be unstoppable and is supposed to have the power of all this medicine for gets defeated by the white guy because, uh, you know, apparently the Native American manitou don't work no more, so the white guy's got to go do it again. Fuck that. Because after they figure out, not figure out, after Tony Curtis declares that, yeah, I'm going to uh, turn on all the machines and we'll use the machine manitou to do this, John Singing Rock is just like, oh, I guess you don't need me around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You're the only one who knows how to do any of this. How about it? And as it turns out, Harry Erskine. Yep. Didn't even save the day. No. No. He uh, he uh, transferred the power of the hospital machinery to the woman with her tits out in the space hospital bed. Wait, no, I didn't see. I didn't see it as. He gave it over to her. I said it bypassed him because he wasn't about shit to start with. He was always a fake. He got, got some knowledge, but he couldn't effectively do it. It had to be her. They, they explicitly, John Singing Rock says, Harry, your white man's medicine is transferring to uh, Karen in the bed. And right, but I, did, I didn't, didn't transfer from him to her. I just transferred from the source to her is what I thought. Whatever. Huh. James, is this worth arguing? Hey, dude, you ass. Fair. <laughs> but uh, again, one of my also my favorite lines is in that hospital scene where they figure out that they're going to use the uh, machine manitous. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harry suggests to John Singing Rock that uh, what was the like the ultimate manitous <coughs> name? They call upon Manitou uh, Hachete or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's not at all the right uh, one. Wanahakalugi, I guess, for the sake of whatever. It, it does yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. And uh, John Singerock tells him, like, you can't just call Great Manitou. To which Harry replies with, oh, he's getting a person-to-person call from me. He's getting a collect, collect. Yeah. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. So uh, effectively, though... Uh, and then the whole building shakes. But, and but they, they, they Star Trek it. But they do show t- uh, Harry transfer the white man's Manitou power to uh, Karen in the bed because uh, he gives Misquamakwa, or I think I said that wrong, but uh, <laughs> Misquamakas, I'm sorry. Yeah, Misquamakas. The, the way that Misquamakas is effectively defeated is uh, Harry Erskine just gives him a strong talking to. Yeah, they had a combo. Hey, don't you, hey, hey, enough with this. Listen here, Miss Guamacus. You knock it off, you see. <laughs> we, we don't address each other in that manner, young man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have you know I'm a, I'm a mortal human being and you are uh, the collective gods of 2,000 generations. But uh, we're going to talk like uh, person to person, okay? Fuck. Well, yeah, and then uh, Karen gets the powers and defeats both Miss Guamacus and the uh, the great one with her tits out and lasers. <laughs> tits and lasers, baby. Tits that's, and lasers. That's how this film ends is with tits and lasers, mm. and it rules, dude. I love it. And then you had uh, the the bionic eye there with the boobs out. Oh, ha, ha. And fucking electricity force things coming out at shit. And then um, 
God, those. I remember when I was a kid, they used to have those fucking fireworks. You shoot them, the multicolored balls. What are those called? It looks like they're shooting Roman candles. Roman candles. Yes. It looks like they're popping I, Roman candles James, out of there. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm like, wow, budget. Roman candles. Yep, with the most rudimentary of digital effects put on top of them. <laughs> and did you see what they had? They had like an oil lens. They used to have them like on fucking psychedelic things. That big oil lens up there. I'm like, gee, well, they spared no expense, I see. They just dragged that out of the closet, did they? And see, that's where... It looked like the intermission sign. You know that big amorphous blob they used to have for intermission? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what the great old one looked like. I was waiting for, let's go out to the lobby. So I wanted to start this kind of by talking about uh, using Halloween as like a, a yeah. We, we should start. We should start the podcast right about now. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, is using it as a comparison. Mm-hmm. The Halloween's undeniably a better film in every single way possible. But I almost have more fun watching the Manitou because right. Halloween is a fantastic horror film. Yeah. This isn't that. It's also a benchmark. There's a lot of things about Halloween. Again, we, we talk about, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say the difference between, I don't know how to phrase it, but movies and film, like a movie movie and then cinema. Yeah. Um, Halloween was more cinema. It, it had mood shots. It had um, lighting appropriate for the scene. It had things to bring the moods it, in. It, it builds tension. Yeah, it, where this one was, it looked like... Um, it looked like a, a pub in Australia, bright lit and TVs on all the time. You know, I'm used to going to a dark bar with mahogany. No, this is all bright lights and 74 inch screens. You know, that's how that movie looked. And mm-hmm. this one looked like the old dive bar, you know, with the old, old style. One. Right. And like I said, like I'd rather watch Halloween, mm-hmm. but I have more fun watching some shit like this because again, there are parts that are supposed to be like comical mm-hmm. where Fucking Harry Erskine's got a one-liner or two in there. Uh-huh. But it's just so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And not weird, uh, again, uh, not a contemporary, really. It was made several years later. But like a killer clowns from outer space mm-hmm. when it's just winking at the camera the whole time. Like, yeah, it's batshit and it's fun, but it's like, it's almost too goofy. Like, mm-hmm. When you plop Tony Curtis and Burgess Meredith in a film like this, it makes it such an oddity that you just... And have them play it straight. And you're like, what the fuck is this? There's not a... I I didn't feel a wink in this movie. I didn't feel like, hey, look what I'm doing. I'm Tony Curtis. Except for when they were injecting like like an intentional one-liner. Right. Like when uh, John Singing Rock gives him uh, that bag of sand or a bag of whatever he's got in it. Mm. What's this? It's for protection. And Tony Curtis goes, ah, I just thought it was spices. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. He just gave it to you. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Or the fact that they are, uh, the three of them know exactly what's going on. And they have Misquamacus uh, trapped in a circle of sand around a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And just uh, John Singing Rock's like nephew guarding the door while they all just kind of like chill out in the waiting room. They're like de-stressing while just casually discussing how, oh, well, what happens now? I guess the world ends. Yeah, we're fucking done. Ah. Okay, here, <laughs> you want to hear something really dumb? I'm going to let my geek flag fly here. 
I'm sitting there thinking about summoning circles for gaming and all this shit that I read. And I'm like, he couldn't have closed the circle because the bed touched yeah, the wall. I thought the exact same thing, James, if and I'm, I'm being like, perfectly honest. The demon can escape from that that gap. What the fuck are you doing? If you're a medicine man, you should know if you're going to do a proper circle. God damn it. They, they also very clearly state that the circle cannot be broken. And Miss Guamacus just like, <laughs> removes the sand from part of it, but still doesn't like escape. Oh, it's fucking bananas. And and I will tell you what, um, we were talking earlier about how Miss Marcus was both effective and funny. The the lizard the lizard uh yes. manitou from the front front bah I'm dying, it's ridiculous. But when they shot it from the back, the way it was moving, the way that skin looked, I was like, fuck, because you knew there was still a person in because it had not changed but the way the movement looked amazing from the back. And I was just like, okay, funny and effective. Uh-huh. This movie was funny and effective the entire, all the way through. So I guess uh, it's not a difficult question to ask you, uh, but uh, would you recommend The Manitou? Hell yeah. And this is one of those, these are one of those movies that's so much fun that like, we talk about party movies, a movie on in the background of a party. It, I used to go to theme parties. Like, you know, we'd have black exploitation movie parties. So everything was, you know, Avenging Disco Godfather. We'd all bring in a, a, our own film that from that genre. If we're doing horror movies, I would bring this one because it's, so, it's, again, batshit. It's just crazy. You just look at the screen and go, what? What the fuck? What is happening? <laughs> so this is a perfect party movie. This is also a movie if you got a bunch of people over to watch a movie and just you know, hang out and have dinner and watch a movie and goof around. Perfect movie for that because it, it invites you to talk about it and talk over it because you're not going to miss anything. I, I, would, I would recommend this to, I guess, like, I don't want to say older people. I don't think this is a movie for, for the new generation. I think they would find that this quite boring unless, mm. you know, like a child. But I wouldn't show this to somebody like in their 20s who might be kind of a film snob-ish mm -hmm. someone. I would say if you are, like, if you really appreciate, like, film and the history of film and whatever, to see, like, these iconic actors doing something like this, it just makes it such an oddity that you... I, I would tell people, like, yeah, it, it, like, if you know who Tony Curtis is... Mm -hmm. And Burgess, who Burgess Meredith is. Yeah, sit down and watch this weird motherfucker. I will say, even without that, because I know when I was a kid and I would watch old, old movies, I'd be fascinated by how weird and different it was. So not specifically know who Tony Curtis is or at, but I bet you, like, um, if I had my oldest watch with me, he'd just be like, the f how, how did they light that? What in God's name are they doing? It's so foreign to anything they do now. The only close thing they got now is... Since most of the people are doing their own thing, there's a lot more do-it-yourself, hey, we're going to film something, anything in your house, that kind of stuff. You're seeing more of that again. So it, it, it becomes familiar yet different. So it might, it might work that way too. Yeah. Is it, it's, it's not full of uh, your realistic-looking CGI. So, I mean, if that's the thing that turns you off to films yeah. or like having a little bit of boring spots or whatever – it's probably not for you. This isn't The Conjuring, where nope. it's a scare every five pages. But it's it's worth a gander if you want to see some fucking weird shit. Fuck to the yeah. All right, James. Yes. Where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on 
Sorry, my brain just completely stopped. They can find us on the Facebook. We both have a page. You can write stuff. You can all be found on where all the pods are catched. Yep. We also have an Instagram page. That's the word I was looking for, Instagram. And uh, yeah, if you want to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Spotify or anywhere else. Podcatcher or anything. Or anywhere else where uh, you can give us a written review Mm -hmm. or just uh, stars, please do so. Both of five is the magic number. Five stars, five words. It gets us on a list. It sure does, and but not the bad kind of list, like like we did some diddling kind of list. Oh no, don't want to be on that list. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. We no diddle lists. Absolutely. <laughs> I I think we should end it on that because <laughs> I I don't see where we're gonna go after diddle lists. Uh, hi diddly ho. All right, James. Yes. Push should, the button. Should we say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. Hell, oh, God. That hurt. <laughs>